whistle is blowing, and that signals another episode of the Entrepreneur's Locker Room Chat with a Champion. Your host, Steve Brosman, a former national track champion, multi-Amazon best-selling author, and successful entrepreneur interviews leaders in their field to give you the tips, shortcuts, and strategies to help you change the game you play. And now your host, Steve Brosman. Yes, that is right. It is the locker room time and chat with a champion. Not only do we have a champion today, we have a very, very serious influencer. We've got Ron Maholtra with us today. Welcome along, Ron. Thank you, Steve. Uh, the reason I call the... you that is because uh, I'm going through some of the statistics here, mate. You have been featured in just about every financial magazine publication that we have in Australia on television, and your content has been viewed more than 20 million times. Now, that's somebody that's getting their uh, information out there and certainly influencing people. That's, uh, that's a big, big number there, Ron. Yeah, the the power of um, social media. I'm, I'm, I look back and I'm kind of fascinated myself at all of the stuff that's happened. But uh, um, it, it is it is amazing. So yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. But <laughs> so I, I, it wasn't it wasn't a deliberate strategy. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of just fallen into place. Well, the first thing it has to be good if it's going to be shared, and uh, we better tell people exactly who you are and what you do because you are an award-winning uh, wealth planner. You're an influence and success expert. You're an international speaker. You're an author, the MD of Maple Tree Wealth. But what we're going to talk about today is you're the founder of the Successful Male Global, and I guess one of the other things that's uh, spurned from that is you were nominated as the ambassador for International Men's Day. And for the last thing to add to the, uh, the strings to the bow is a voted top 30 influencers on LinkedIn. So uh, let's get into the first part of it is, is how did you get into the wealth side of things? Look, the wealth side, I mean, I came from a, a my, you know, immig immigrant background and we, my parents were educated, but they struggled with money and um, I felt I needed to work this thing out, you know, because I was born in India and there's a lot of poverty there and I saw a lot of, saw a lot of hardworking people that uh, never really achieved a level of financial security. So I felt that I needed to work out money for myself. But then, um, you know, I had a career in the, in the, in the banking industry. And um, what happened was as I started to have money conversations, if you, have, if you do the same thing over and over again, you start, to, you start to build this thing called advanced perception. You start to see things that other people don't see. And I started to pick up patterns in people's thinking and people's conversations about money. And it wasn't until I had done about 12 or 13 years in the industry that I started to find myself being able to predict people's financial situation and where they're going to end up just based on their thinking patterns. Right. And, uh, so, yep, I've, I've, and so for me, wealth is not just about strategy and investment products. It's, it's a lot about psychology and behaviors. And that was the thing that no one was talking about. There's just this implied assumption that if you invest well, you buy some good real estate, you buy some good stocks, that you're just going to become wealthy. And it doesn't work like that. And that's the stuff that I started to look at. And I just brought a new perspective that I said, I said it doesn't matter what your knowledge is. It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter how much income you make. There is a way that you think that is going to impact the net worth that you create, whether you realize it or not. And that was the point that I started to have a bit of a different voice in the finance industry. 
That parallels so much with what I say in the, in the entrepreneur's locker room is the four B's, brain, body, brand, and business. And the first B is mindset, which is the first part of your financial success planning is you've got to have your mindset and your attitude right. Yeah, that's right. The issue with the word mindset, though, is it's become a very mainstream buzzword. Everyone's talking about mindset, right? And the issue that happens when something becomes mainstream is that we stop examining what it actually means. So most people do a very surface level dive into this thing called mindset. Uh, But for me, I was intrigued. I was intrigued by the, the fact that the way we think can impact how we live because money is such an important commodity. Uh, whether people admit it or not, the fact is that you can't make anything happen in, w- without money. Whether you want to contribute, you want to have options in life, you want to have more control over your life, you want to have an impact, you need money. And I always say, you know, money is not important by itself, but everything that is important requires money. And so if you can't figure this thing out and you can't make the connection between money and how you think or your mindset, you are going to struggle in life. And so for me, that's why I became fascinated by this subject. And then I spent a number of years uh, delving into traditional psychology, neuroscience, uh, epigenetics, um, philosophy, sociology, uh, behavioral finance, neuroeconomics, just to try and find this. I was, trying to find, I was looking for something. I was looking for that aha moment where I go, yep, I've got it now. I understand now how people think and how they, the way they think, their values and their habits can really impact the amount of wealth that they accumulate. So, um, And then I started to become quite vocal about it. I started to talk about it. And I think that's probably resulted in some of the influence, as you mentioned. It's just been a byproduct of that. In, in just a couple of sentences and in, in lay terms for the people out there as simple as possible, what would be the biggest stumbling block and the biggest hurdle that you see people um, are making biggest mistakes. Are you talking about money? Yeah, in, in the wealth creation and well, yeah, sustainability for somebody's lifestyle, really. I think it's perception. First of all, I think, especially in the Australian psyche, I think we do not appreciate wealth. I think we have an aversion to the word wealth. And how we know this is we used to do seminars across the country and we have someone pick up the phone and ring clients and say, hey, Ron's doing a wealth seminar. Would you like to attend? A number of people that would say, no, we're right. Thank you very much. Not interested in building wealth. And I think it stems from the misunderstanding that wealth for them, a lot of people represents a fleet of Ferraris or having mansions and it's an ego-based thing, Mm -hmm. but it's not. And I started to say, I said, look, wealth is simply the ability for you to fund your chosen lifestyle without you having to work. And at some point, you're all going to want to stop working. And unless you're planning to work until the day you die, you've got to start to aim for wealth. Mm. So the first issue that I'd identified was this, this perception about wealth. There was an, almost an unconscious negative association around money, which would get people to perceive financially successful people as greedy, as people that are maybe taking advantage of other people. And because the number of people, people say, oh, no, I'm right. I don't need money. I don't want money. Our oh, money is just a necessity. And so the, there's this misunderstanding about what it means. And I think there's almost this twisted logic that people apply to money. So they almost feel like if they don't have money or they're living in poverty, that they're somehow honorable people, which in, in a way that can also mean that, hey, if you've got money, you're not an honorable person. <laughs> And I started to observe these patterns in people's thinking, especially in the middle class or people that are struggling financially. And look, I came from a similar background. You know, my dad wasn't really somebody that appreciated money. Everybody says they appreciate money to the extent that it's a necessity. 
But a lot of people don't realize that, that money can add so much value to us. So I started to then talk to people about the positive associations around money because I saw that the people working very hard, they were doing all the right things. They got educated, they got skilled, and yet they found themselves struggling with money. So I felt like I needed to have a conversation that went beyond income and beyond investments and started to say, hey, do you actually, how do you actually see money? And when I started to realize that if you have a negative association about an around any concept, your, it's your mind's, your subconscious mind's job to keep you away from it. Because if you were to uh, come in uh, acquisition of that particular thing, then that's going to make you a bad person. And so well, if you're somebody that values being a good one of the things and just touching on that about people and their aversion to money and wealth and the people that have it is there's a saying that I heard and I use it all the time. The best way to help the poor people is not be one of them. Well, that's exactly right. And, so, and just like there is bad people, like, there's, there's, there's wealthy people that are bad people. There's, there's poor people that are bad people. So how, but what's interesting is we very quickly attach their wealth as the reason why they're bad. So if you come across a wealthy person who is not a good person, maybe they're a bit snobbish or maybe they're a bit rude or they're a bit arrogant, we automatically assume that this has to do with their wealth, not with, to do with their personality, right? And so we, we kind of make these subconscious associations all the time and we don't examine them. And then what happens is once something becomes a belief, once you've entertained a thought over and over again repetitively, now you've formed a deeply held philosophy in life and now because we humans have a need to be congruent with our philosophy our whole lives then we make sure that we live congruently with what we believe and so literally we repel money opportunities we we, we ignore them we disregard them uh, and then we wonder why we've ended up in the situation we've ended up in on that i'm sure that led you to setting up the successful mail um can you tell us what that is about the foundation and then we will delve in and really explore that i think the foundations were as a young man in my 20s i was frustrated i was unhappy i was unfulfilled lost broke pretty much everything that could go wrong went wrong I had no self-esteem and what i was trying to do was i was trying to fit in with people i didn't know who i was i didn't have a strong self-concept uh, and I thought, I thought what would make me matter is if I became financially successful. So I started to blindly chase money. So I started to go for jobs that would pay well, uh, that would, you know, and, 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 I, and it was basically, I felt like even though I started to achieve a level of financial security um, in my early 30s, I felt that there was something missing. I was not aligned with myself. I didn't feel congruent. Um, I'd come home and sometimes have arguments with people for no reason. I felt like I was always aggressively, like passively aggressive. And I didn't know what was going on. And I felt maybe, am I just being ungrateful? I mean, I've got everything. I, I, I've got a successful life. I've got a property portfolio. I've got a beautiful home. People used to come and say, this is my dream house. So financially, I'm doing well. I've got the position. I've got the title. What's wrong? And then I started to realize I didn't feel congruent. I didn't feel authentic. I didn't know who I was. And it's, it's interesting that we can literally go our whole lives learning how to make a living and learn nothing about ourselves and nothing about how to make a life. So I had to literally go back and you know, do this inner work to go, who am I? What do I really want? What do I stand for? Uh, why am I here? These important questions that we never ask ourselves. And then as I started to find answers to those questions, I realized I had to reinvent myself. But then as I looked around me, I, I realized that it wasn't just me. Most men had no idea. I felt like most men were either blindly chasing money 
or they were opting out of the system because they were sick of the capitalist system. So they were starting to go, oh, I'm just opting out. I'm just going to sit here and just do meditation and yoga. And I'm just going to completely deny the material life. And I thought both extremes were wrong. So um, then the other thing I realized was if you look at there was two massive issues, because we looked at the statistics. I had a number of men around me that were struggling and suffering and they they, 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 the way that they were dealing with it was through alcohol or through, through violence or things like that. And I, and I started to realize that this was a common problem. And culturally, we celebrate this macho behaviors, right? We, 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 we don't realize that, but we do it. We, we, if you look at a, a meat pie commercial on TV or a beer commercial, <laughs> we celebrate men that grunt and, 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 uh, and we consider those behaviors to be masculine behaviors. But if you see a man who is mentally evolved, uh, he's intellectual or he's sophisticated, then that's perceived to be feminine, especially in the Australian culture and probably to some extent in the American culture as well. Yeah, yeah. And I started to realize, but the, and, and, the, and the justification is that, that that's macho, right? That's masculine. But it's not because the most masculine people back in the day, the warriors, they were men that were calm. They were gentle. They were compassionate. They were strategic when they needed to be. But, but they were very intellectual. And I, somewhere along the line, we started to disregard qualities of emotional intelligence, social connection, uh, purpose, in, inspirational living, uh, authenticity, vulnerability, we started to disregard these qualities. Um, so I thought there was a need to, uh, number one, help men not just make a living, but to help them make a life. And second, to make a distinction between what's masculine and what's macho, because masculinity is positive. It's all about us embracing who we are and what makes us different to women. But machoism is all about domination, dominance, right? Domination. Mm. And it's, all, it's about exerting your, your masculinity on other people. And so I felt like these two things were contributing to this problem that we were starting to see in the way of men killing themselves. Increasingly, you're hearing on the news that men are stabbing each other or they're, they, you know, they're punching each other or uh, you, you know, depression and anxiety. The number of men that I know that have depression and anxiety in their early 30s or 20s, it's just ridiculous. It's, and I started to see that as the inability to cope with, with personal and professional pressures in life. So I also looked around and I saw there's other men's initiatives that are coming up, but they had it wrong. They were telling men, hey, if you don't want to go to work, you don't have to go to work, right? If you want to curl up and cry, you can curl up and cry. And I thought, hang on, this is not the right response either. We've gone from one extreme to another, right? And the answer is somewhere in the middle. It's about integrating uh, intrinsic success factors with extrinsic success factors. So you want to have both. You don't want to deny the material world and escape yeah. to spirituality because that's a convenient escape, right? You've just gone, oh, well, I hate the capitalist system. I'm just going to become a spiritualist. It's yeah, not, it's it doesn't not, work not like that. It's not solving anything, just running away from it. Correct. And so for me, it was like, okay, what, does, what would it mean to be a holistically successful man? And is there, have I ever come, in my whole life, have I ever come across a man that I could honestly hand on my heart say, this man here is holistically successful. He's inspired. He's on purpose. He's congruent. He's also got financial security. He's got influence. He makes, he makes an impact. He's healthy. He's got meaningful relationships and he's got peace of mind. My whole life, I've never come across a man like that. Right. So then I thought to myself, is it maybe impossible? Maybe is it too aspirational to be somebody like that? So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start with me. I'm going to see, is it possible for me to be the type of man who has health, meaningful relationships, peace of mind, financial security, a meaningful work. And I genuinely connect with people. Let me see if it's possible. Let me start with me. And so as I started to develop myself and it wasn't easy, you know, it's not, it's not an easy thing. And I, by no stretch of the imagination, can I claim that I'm there. But what I thought, it'll be nice to have an aspirational concept that people can work towards. 
And that's what we call the successful male, redefining success and bringing gentlemen back. Um, and so that's the mission we've been on. We've been, we've been trying to help men understand that, hey, you know, your development should be holistic. You've got to develop all of these different intelligences, left brain intelligence, emotional intelligence, social intelligence, financial intelligence, commercial intelligence, heart-based intelligence, and spiritual intelligence. And once you develop all of that, you, become, you, you are starting to live a holistically fulfilling life. Uh, and so that's what the concept is about, really. So you've, you've got a movement, you've got um, programs and things like that. Just before we get into that, what sort of changes have you seen in people um, internally and outwardly with some of the people that have gone through or been a part of the successful male? Well, if you have a look around and see, there are a lot of men's initiatives out there, but they primarily focus on three things, men's health, men's dating and relationships, and men's styling and grooming. Okay, so if you can go into any Instagram page and you type in the word gentleman, you'll see there's a lot of dating and relationships, a lot of grooming and styling, a lot of fitness and health, right? But all of that doesn't fix the problem. Those are symptoms. You're fixing the symptoms. You see, if a man who is not aligned is not going to have confidence, he can spend all of his time at the gym, he can wear $3,000 Hugo Boss suits, right? He can use all the pickup lines with the opposite sex. The fact is the man is broken inside. He's not connected inside. So the inner game is really important. So what we found, found was we had started to get some inquiries coming through, but mainly the guys were coming and saying, I want to fix the problem with my, with my relationships. I want to become better with the opposite sex. The three things that were coming up with younger men was, I want to have a private jet. I want to have a million dollars. <laughs> and I want to be a ladies man. And my question was, why? Why do you want to be a ladies man? Why do you want to have a private jet? Why do you want to have a million dollars? And I, as you started to dig deeper, we started to find that all they really wanted was to matter and they didn't feel they mattered with the way they were. And so we felt, look, we, 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 we said to them, look, are we, if we just teach you how to deal with women or how to dress well or how to become healthy, that's not going to fix the problem because you're just fixing, you're addressing the symptoms, but you're leaving the problem the way it is. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you want in life? Do you know why you're here? Do you know what kind of difference you want to make? So we started to ask these important questions and we found that if you take care of that, because we were come, men coming in, we didn't teach them anything about dating. We didn't teach them anything much about styling. Uh, we didn't sit there and talk to them about 50 crunches and sit-ups and all of this stuff that they had to do. We worked on the inner game and we found that as they started to understand who they were and they started to really understand the fundamentals and principles of what it means to be a holistically successful human being, we started to find that they started to become healthier, fitter. They started to give up on alcohol. They started to make changes in their career, their relationships, so on and so forth. And they became responsible with money. Those things just happened naturally by getting the foundations right. Fantastic. Whereas most people, what we, what we found was most people were fixing the symptoms. You know, they were, they were giving people what they want. And I know in marketing, everybody says, give people what they want, give people what they want. But the problem with that is nobody realizes this. If you keep giving people what they want, you make a lot of money in the process, but the world doesn't become better. And so I felt, you know what? I understand that this is going to be a bloody hard game. To give people what they need is not easy because people don't want that. People want fast food. They want entertainment. They want consumerism. They want sex. They want, that's what they want. But how do I get them to focus and go, hey, guys, all of, that, all of the things in life that are important are going to take care of themselves if you get yourself in alignment. And that was a message that the world wasn't prepared to, to, to hear. Uh, and we, we're living in an in increasingly distracted, commoditized, and competitive world. And so for me, I, I knew that if I have to get this message out, I have to be very consistent. I have to get out there and, 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 and share my messages on a daily basis. 
and I have to do this four or five times a day. And every conversation I can have, I want to share this message. And Everybody it's exhausting. Wants the fast pill for weight loss. Everyone wants the, you know, the quick solution to it all, but they don't really want to do the hard work. And as you've been just saying there, when you get the foundation right, not only does it then come quicker, but it is sustainable. It is, but it is, it's tiring. It's exhausting. I mean, I could, have, I could have done a lot better than I have if I had gone with the same the conventional approach that, uh, uh, you know, marketing people say, you know, just give people what they want. Don't worry about what they need. But the thing is, this way, I know I'm making a difference. My number one value is legacy. And I felt that, you know what, it, this or everything, the money, the influence, the inquiries, all of that start to come through, but it doesn't happen straight away. You see, for the first year, there was nothing, Steve, it was nothing. It was just me getting out there, no engagement. Uh, there was no inquiries coming through. There was no one buying anything. We were just getting out there and just constantly sharing. And I had to remind myself, I have to believe in myself. I have to believe in my message. I have to believe in people because the moment you stop believing in you, you stop believing in your message and you stop believing in people is the time you, you quit. And so it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, and, but in the process, I love who I have become because I started to build my own character, you know, because there are times when I just want to take the easy way. Who, who doesn't want easy money every now and then, right? But then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to lose respect for myself. And um, I took the, the hard way. And uh, there are certainly there are things that are suggesting that things are you know, working out for us. But even if they didn't, I would continue on this path. So you've got a good platform and a good base here in Australia. What sort of programs are you running? And you were sharing with me um, a couple of weeks ago that uh, you've got quite a few people into the, uh, into the, into the movement right now. Yeah, so we've got, we've, we've got a lot, number of people and all age groups, literally from 18 to right up until men into their 60s. Our sweet spot really is men in their 30s. I find that they're men that kind of starting to realize that they're not as in, invincible as they thought. And they're starting to realize that the plan that they had in mind uh, didn't quite work out for them and finding themselves a bit stuck. Men in their 20s haven't really experienced the pain in many cases. And men in their 50s and 60s are starting to give up and go, it's too late for me. I don't believe that at all, but generally that seems to be the, the way they think. Um, so we, so we, we've got people that, are go, that go through our programs and they don't have to go through our programs. We try and provide free value. We understand that some men are literally in a place where they can't afford it. And look, my first instinct is to say, look, you'll never be able to afford it until you do this work right? There is a reason why you are in the position that you're in. But it's hard for, to explain that to a person that is so stuck in scarcity. They can't see it that way. They think that their situation is the cause. They don't understand that it's the who they are is the cause of their situation. So that's a big challenge to explain that to people. Uh, but we do events which are really uh, subsidized or we do free events. We're constantly looking to add value to people through, our, through the, some of the content that we produce, whether it's our podcasts, books. Um, we produce blogs regularly and articles, uh, our magazines free, our podcasts. Basically, we produce a lot of free value. I'm really conscious about producing free value because all it does is it reinforces people's poverty mindset and gets them addicted to the free so I, I do want to move them away from it. But the moment you try and move them away from it, they think, hey, you're just saying, selling me something. You're just a snake oil salesman. So it's a hard game, you see. You want to help them. You want them to stretch, but they're not prepared to stretch. <laughs> it's a case to me. Well, it's, it's, it's in just about every industry, but yours in particular, because it, it's breaking new ground. It's relatively new. It is, you know, dare I say that word, it is about their mindset. And unless you give them enough information, to get to the point of saying, you know what? Yeah, uh, this is me and this could work. 
then it's a, it's a hard road. You were sharing just, uh, just as we are about to hit the record button that you're uh, just about to head off to the US on a, uh, on a very exciting tour over there. Can you share uh, the expansions of, of you guys uh, over into the US? Yeah, look, I, I think most of the Western world, I think men are struggling and suffering. And um, whilst there is a lot of personal development initiatives uh, in America, I mean, that's where a lot of the best people in personal development, that's where they come from. Uh, the fact is that there is really no comprehensive solution in the market at the moment that looks after men from A to Z. We've got 27 different elements that come together to provide holistic development. Uh, so we were very lucky. We have formed a team of um, uh, individuals that are very experienced in this, this space. Um, and uh, we are building all of the infrastructure in the United States. And we've got a number of events coming up in New York, as well as Florida, uh, to start sharing our message. Um, and we, uh, we hope that as that takes off, people in Australia start to realize as well that, hey, this is something amazing. Because we would hate for men to be left behind, I guess. I mean, there, we, our, my vision is that in, in years to come, I've got a five-year-old daughter and I hope that by the time she starts to date, there is the quality of men out there is such that, you know, she's gone, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, these men are inspired, they're purposeful, they're confident, they're genuine, um, but they're secure financially, you know, and they've found the sweet spot of purpose, passion, and profit. They're not just, they're not just loving what they're doing, but they're broke or they've got all this money, but they're uninspired. They've got it all together. And I think it's about time. I mean, this, this is basic human stuff. Like we should have mastered this many, 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 many hundreds of years ago, right? We still here, can't work out our health problems, can't work out our peace of mind, can't work out relationships, can't work out our money. And I'm going, technology is evolved. When are we going to evolve as human beings? So we're hoping that in America, this, uh, we, 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 we're going to be in, in corporates as well as faith-based organizations. Because uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff people are saying, you know what, we need gentlemen back. We need this yeah. whole art of being a gentleman. Uh, we need men that have men of character and courage and substance, not just on the outside, but on the inside. And, you know, I, Steve, I have seen this time and time again. When I looked after my inside, people started to say, you're charismatic. I've never done any courses on charisma or like I've done any, none of that stuff. Right. But I realized that when a man becomes congruent and he starts to really know who he is and he starts to know his space, he, he lets go of ego, but he becomes confident in his space. And I think a person like that naturally becomes charismatic because they're being who they're meant to be. Um, so I want people to experience this, you know, and uh, so in the US, we, we are going to be there from the first week um, of, of October, we're there for a couple of weeks, we're running a number of events in Florida, as well as the, as New York City. And uh, we hope that uh, in years to come, this becomes mainstream education for men everywhere. I'm just going to pick up on one point there, because it, it's, it's very important that when you are true to who you are, true to what you believe in and you're doing what you're passionate and it just exudes. You don't have to think about anything and it just, yeah, it just flows out. And yeah, you, you do have that, you know, dare I say it, an aura about you that you are, you know, you're true, you're authentic and you just exude that confidence. Whereas if you don't know who you are and you're not sure who I am supposed to be today and you've got to think about who I am, what I'm supposed to say, then you don't have that confidence. You don't have that air about you. And you can really see it in so many different people in their businesses these days, particularly with social media and people doing their live streams and their videos and things like that. You can actually tell 
whether they're just shooting a video or they're just doing something because they think they're supposed to instead of just coming out and just letting it happen. And, uh, and that's a, it's a big thing. And with all the information that's out there right now, you're just saying you think we'd have it right by now, wouldn't we? But most yeah. of the information is just surface and it doesn't get, it is. doesn't get to the core because it's not sexy. And you are, you are absolutely right. Yeah. 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 yeah, and you make you make such a good point because even when I've seen with sales training, everything is so tactical. And the problem mm. with tactical is if you don't understand the principles and you don't believe in them, you don't embody them. And until you embody them, you're always in your head. If I'm with a client, I'm in my head. That client is not going to buy from me. But if I walk my talk, I naturally and effortlessly create a buying experience for clients. Now, the issue is if you look at all of the corporate training that's, that exists out there, it is all about structures and frameworks, which all it does is it goes, people act very tact, in, in a tactical manner to try and get things done, whether it's marketing or it's sales. Or, and so the issue is when you're acting tactically, you're not acting from your heart, you're acting from your head. And, and the human connections are lost when that happens. So, and it's not something that we have to learn. All we have to do is unlearn all the crap that we've been taught over the years because naturally we're very good at connecting with people. Children uh, are good at connecting with people. They're good at natural expression. They're good at gravitating towards what interests them. And, and then as we get older, we start to spend too much time in our head going, well, I've got to sell this guy. He's got to buy something from me. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to do scarcity agency, all of that sort of stuff. And it becomes a tactical game and I don't enjoy that game. So for me, if I win business and I've had to play that game and then win that business, I, I just don't enjoy it. There is something about that that makes me cringe. And I feel that, look, I understand all of that tactical stuff. I know that there is a place for persuasion, but that I started to get, I started to make peace in my mind. And I thought, you know what? I'm okay with persuasion because persuasion means I'm getting um, Steve to do something that is going to benefit Steve and me. But manipulation is if I'm getting something to, for Steve to do right. something that's only going to benefit me, not Steve, right? So I started to make peace with, okay, I'm okay with persuasion, provided I know for a fact that what I have is going to change your life, right? Yeah. Um, so, well, a couple of things that you, you said earlier that I want to actually get onto, and I hadn't really thought of myself like this because I, I talk about you know, the authority client attraction system. And the one of the words that I've quite often left out, but I do teach is, you know, being so close to authority is authentic. When you are an authority and you, you are a leader and you know what you're doing and you're good at it and you are authentic, then that's one of the best ways to actually attract the people instead of going out chasing them because you just got that, that aura about you and people want to work with experts and authorities. And when they know that you are true and you believe what you do and you are authentic, you will get the people coming to you because a lot of people say, Oh yeah, attracting clients. That, that's just a load of hogwash. Well, no, it's not. Uh, when you're not just doing the outbound marketing and trying to you know, manipulate and persuade them that way, then you will attract the right people and the sale is easy. I agree with you and I completely support everything that you have said because I have seen that when you love what you do and you, 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 when you love what you do, you take the time to master your craft. When you take the time to master your craft and you understand how people think and you start to be consistent with how you get your message across in the right way, you do start to attract people. Most of our, most of our businesses, I've never picked up the phone and rung somebody. I don't even do follow-ups in our business. This is, 
really going against all the traditional sales philosophy. You've got to do follow-up. You do one follow-up and that's it. Uh, and the reason for that is we are attracting people and because we become very clear on who we are, what we stand for, and by, by default, what we stand against. And we're prepared to own our space and not be all things to all people. And I know that some of these things I've learned uh, from you, Steve, through the conversations I had with you, because I know you've been in this space for a long time. And the reason I'm also on this interview is because I do respect your work. I respect how you've gone about. And and everything that you say is absolutely true in an increasingly commoditized and competitive world. If you're just another professional today, it is hard to stand out. So there is is need for you to be strategic around it. But what my issue is that sometimes I feel that the strategy replaces – the need to master your craft. Like I still feel like you've still got to know your stuff. You've got to still earn your stripes. But if you just earn your stripes and you don't do any of the stuff that you teach, you're not going to make it either, right? So, and that's, it's the integration of the two. Earn your stripes, love what you do, be passionate, be purposeful about it, have a desire to make a difference and then combine that with the right marketing strategies so that you can get your message out and impact as many people as possible. And I don't know that is exactly what you do, Stephen. You yourself have done it. I mean, the thing is, you're an embodiment of what you teach. Um, so, um, you know, and, and so I, I get that piece, but a lot of people don't get that, unfortunately. Yeah, they don't. Well, before we get on to the Fast and Furious 5, I'm, I'm hoping there are going to be people out there, and particularly the males, <laughs> that we've, uh, we've resonated with. How do they find out more about what you're doing, and particularly uh, with the Successful Mail program? Look, just check out the successfulmail.com. There is, we've got a number of books there. We've got the success answer and we've got uh, the 10 steps to becoming a successful male. You'll be surprised what you see in there. Don't expect to just see some stuff around wearing $3,000 suits. It's actually the stuff that really works, uh, but it's not the easy stuff. But uh, you can download that book and you can connect with me through uh, LinkedIn or Facebook. Fantastic. Okay. Well, on to the Fast and Furious 5 and there's some fairly simple questions here. And the first one is what non-business sport or activity would you want to be the champion of? There's a couple of thing, activities that fascinate me. One is uh, what Steve Irwin used to do. I, I love the way that he used to work with wildlife and I thought, geez, I wish, I, there's a part of me that goes, I wish I was doing that for a living. I, I had a lot of admiration for that for him. Uh, and the other one is I love rapping. I, I have a real fascination with, with, uh, with, uh, with the guys that can rap well. And uh, so I'm hoping that uh, in time I can get a coach to teach me some rapping. It's one of my dreams. I would love oh, wow. to be a rapper at some point. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. What uh, one personal thing would you want people to know about you to understand you better? I do a lot of things. And I literally, this flies in the face of everyone that tells you to focus. I'm very focused, but I can't do one thing. I will, if you give me a hundred things, I'll get them all done. If you give me one thing, I won't get it done. So people find that a bit unusual. Well, that might lead on to the next one. What one habit would you like to change? (laughs) Uh, Well, I wouldn't want to change that because I actually get things done. The thing I'd like to change about me is I'm very impatient. Now, the reason I'm a little bit conflicted about that is in many ways, my impatience has served me very well and it's Mm. led me to accomplish a lot of things very fast. But I think sometimes I'm unreasonably patient um, and I think I'd like to change that because it puts a lot of pressure on people around me. (laughs) Cool. Who uh, or what has had the most influence in your life? 
Steve, I, um, I, I've never been someone that's been fascinated by athletes or actors, or I've been fascinated by people that led movements, the four individuals that have inspired me the most in my lifetime, Gandhi, Mandela, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm X. Um, I've read their autobiographies. I've read the books that they read. Uh, and uh, I, I'm just fascinated by, by leaders who have gone through an extreme amount of adversity but remain positive about humanity and all those four individuals except for Malcolm X he was, a, he was a bit of an angry person but then I still like the fact that they ran movement successfully yeah fantastic this may lead on and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to answer it the way that I'm expecting you to if you were to be the answer to a quiz show question what would you want the question to be how you can be an honorable person with money that you don't have to do dishonorable things. You can live a very high character life. I want to be the example of somebody that can make it financially successful, but makes a lot of positive difference in the world. Yeah, I'd probably take uh, it a little further. Uh, if I was going to be uh, the, the show host and answer, asking a question is who has led the movement that has changed the way males are? That would be one heck of an answer for you to be. <laughs> yes, yes, it would be. I hope, uh, I hope I'm able to accomplish that, Steve. Yeah, uh, you've got the good foundation. And, and uh, from what I've seen so far, and I've seen a bit of what you've been doing, it, uh, you get the right traction and you are, and you're making a difference in a lot of people's lives. Uh, it, uh, it will get the traction and uh, you, you never know, you may be that answer to the question. I hope so. And, and you probably sensed a bit of self-doubt there. Uh, and that's the thing, you know, you can do all the training, but sometimes you still don't feel like you're good enough. Um, but uh, yeah, that would be, that would be an amazing um, vision if that ever were to happen, Steve. So thank you for bringing Ron, thank up. you. Yeah, you're welcome, mate. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great. I can't wait to share this out there. And, and I really do hope that, uh, that just this podcast will lead people to go to your place. And we do make that uh, changes in a lot of the, the males' lives out there. So again, thank you so much. And uh, we're going to have another fantastic interview with a champion for you guys again real soon. Cheers. Well, that's full time on this episode, but don't forget to subscribe, rate, and we'd love you to leave a comment. Head over to the Facebook group, The Entrepreneur's Locker Room, where there'll be some great bonus content to help you step up and play a bigger game.